Hello guys and gals, how you doing? Today I'll be talking about an awesome way to start your free podcast, and I mean free, no catch, no gimmicks. It's totally free, easy to edit, easy to record, and easy to promote and monetize your podcast. It's called Anchor.fm, and I highly recommend you guys and gals, check it out, and start your own podcast, let your voice be heard. And also, don't forget to listen to Wild Dog Podcasts, and tell them that I sent you and that you hear it from me. So you get more people to join Anchor.fm. You will not be disappointed because they will also put your podcast in other platforms and then make it very, very much easier for you. Have a great day, everybody. Everyone, I'll be talking about the movie Jen On. Uh, yeah, Ju, I mean, Ju On, excuse me. And this is the first from my Juon collection of scary Japanese ghost movies. You can also check my counterpart as he reviewed the Ring movies. But I'm taking over the Juon stuff. Um, this is the first one, and it's supposed to be a scary Japanese ghost movie. Um, of course, we know about the remake and the sequel to this original version. But we take it one at a time, guys and girls. One at a time. Now, by the way, let me introduce myself. I am Bronx Loco. If you don't know who I am, I'm Bronx Loco, and um, let me say something, man. This movie is a little bit good special features. First off, it's widescreen, audio commentary with Sam Hammond, Scott Spiegel, behind-the-scenes footage, and deleted scenes, which I like, and a cast and crew interviews, and la 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 la, gallery and trailers, shit like that. And um, this is the Jap- original Japanese version movie, which the grunge, the American remake, is based on, Juan. And the original Japanese version also had a sequel, Juan Part 2, which I'll talk about in a later video blog. Now, what I like about this movie is how they put it in chapters, you know. It's about a haunted house, about family, me- about this guy killed his wife, killed his kid, and I think he killed himself, if I'm corrected. And oh yeah, he killed a cat too. Now, anyone who enters this house and get a curse and pretty much evil energy and the ghost of Kayako, if I say her name right, kills them or pretty much make them disappear. Now, what makes this ghost movie different than all the other ghost movies in any country, doesn't matter, is this one could be scary and creepy and fucked up because this ghost could kill you any day, any night, whenever it fucking feels like it. And the ghost is an evil energy, it's attached to you. You know? If you can have twenty people inside this haunted house and it's gonna kill you when it feels like it, you all got the negative energy. You can't escape it. But Kieko is cursed. Why she's cursed? Because she's been murdered. You know? And as we talk about I will see Juan too and we'll explore more about Keiko. Now, there's another thing that's fucked about this movie. The ghost is kind of scary when I first saw it. It was creepy. And then, as I see the second and third time around, I found out something about Keiko. Or Kayako. Hope I'm saying her name right. She's pretty sexy, man. That is one sexy ghost. She's not even fucking ugly. She's hot. She's better looking than Kate Upton. I rather see Kayako in front of Sports Illustrated magazine swimsuit issue. Well, anyway, you know, you have one story about this social welfare worker taking care of old people, 
She's taking care of this old lady inside the haunted house. She's gonna get haunted. The original family of the old lady, the wife and the husband couple, end up being haunted by the ghost. They died in the house. Plus the sister of the husband died in the house. I mean, she died too, but not in the haunted house. She died in her own apartment because the evil energy followed her, you know. Um, you got the students that have been dying, you got the original detective that first spotted the case, investigated the case that's, that left the police investigation force, and he been dead too, and his fucking daughter's dead too, while playing the school prank. Now that's what you call karma's a bitch. Plus the other new police detective investigating the house about the husband and wife couple that died, you know, while the old lady was still alive. You know what? I'm not sure they ever took the old lady out that fucking house. I just realized that. Well, I guess they did since the husband and wife died in the movie. So they probably took out the house. But she's probably dead anyway. Who knows? Um, of course, you got the creepy kid, the son of Shio. Great performance, being a creepy kid. He's like right in your face. He's following you, playing peekaboo with old man too. In the wheelchair, the man's like peekaboo. It was so Shio. You look at when the social welfare worker was pulling the old man saying peekaboo. And when she's going into the hospital building, you'll see little Toshio. It's like a real quick, you got slow motion your camera then. Man, I don't want to ruin the ending for you if guys who have not seen the movie. But, you know, you, you get like, you get your old school classic ending. Pretty much, you know what shoes I have been to kind of ending, you know. Um, yeah, there have been scary moments when, I mean, when you first see it, it's going to be scary depending on how you want to take it. But then... Once you see the movie second and third time around, you just, you know what to expect. Um, I mean, this is a ghost. It's a dangerous ass ghost, man. You can't, like I said, you can't fuck with Kakeyako, man. And um, pretty much that's all. That's my little movie talk, you know, of Drawn Two. I mean, excuse me, Drawn Part One. And um, I want you guys to get this DVD. That's how it looks. What's up? Today we talk about the movie Gremlins Part 1. And this is on Blu-ray, let me just say the quality is great. I remember seeing this movie on HBO. I didn't see this in theaters, because I didn't know what the hell this was. So I said, you know what, let me see this, let me wait. And instead of VHS, I would see it on HBO. Um, this movie still holds up today, man. It was a fun movie, it's funny as hell. Um, people might consider this as one of the horror comedy genres. You know, but very good at it. Um, it's about this old guy, um, the hero's father, picked up this Maguire gremlin creature-like, as the Chinese kid gave it to this, gave it to the, gave it to the father of the hero in the movie, so he could give it to his son as a Christmas gift. And um, gave his son a Christmas gift, and tells him to take care of it. There's three rules: um, don't bathe in water. Don't sh don't show us don't make us see sunlight or light, and don't feed it after midnight. Those are three rules of taking care of the mogwai. Um, the kid, the son, ended up taking care of it. You know, cute little gizmo to name it. And then one of the kids, one of the I mean one of the guy's friend. I can't call him kid. He's a grown man. You know, he works in the bank. But the guy's friend, played by Corey Feldman, young Corey Feldman comes in, you know, he tries Mogwai, he dropped, he dropped some water on Vods by accident, and the Mogwai got spilled water, and they start busting out these eggs like, and the eggs hatch out like little gizmos, 
and then as the story progressed, um, the mistake the guy, guy made, the hell of the movie, he gave them something to eat after midnight, but he didn't realize that it was after 12 o'clock because he realized that the clock, the wife from the clock was cut off. So he fed these gremlins after midnight, and the Maguire turned into a cocoon-like creature, and that's when they become green monsters. And they start running around town wrecking havoc, you know? And um, the, the hero had to go to the YMCA to look for one of the gremlins, and the gremlins jump into a pool. Guess what? It makes more gremlins, and they're running more havoc to town, ten times more than it was before, you know? Um, they go around hurting people. There are deaths in this movie. People that didn't have to die, you know what I'm saying? They didn't show you in detail or anything, but people died, you know. Um, a lot of funny moments, like the movie theater moments, you know, um, the ball moment, the final fight scene with the Lee, Lee Grumman's spy, um, spy, spiral or spike, they call him, I think. Oh, I forgot the, oh, no, stripes. I think they call him stripes because he had, like, a white hair stripe. So, um, Gives more water, more for sunlight, and um, the girl fell into the water, fell into the water in the department store, and they killed off the gremlin, the last gremlin. Um, the, the special features in this series are awesome. They have a footage that was not in the theaters, um, making a feature that commentary. And I, I'm not sure. I think Howie Mandel did play the voice of Gizmo. I'm not sure because it has something with Howie Mandel in it, the commentary. I'm like, why would Harry Mandel be the commentary? And I realized, wait a minute, I think he did a voice for Gizmo because the voice for Gizmo kind of sounds like Bobby's Bones voice, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, which I probably did not know. I'll do my research on that later. But all over this Blu-ray is awesome anyway. Um, again, this movie is awesome. And there's also a sequel to the movie that I like called Grimace to the New Batch, which I should be talking about in the future video blogs, hopefully this weekend. Anyway, guys, peace. <laughs> the movie Curse, the unrated version, and um, God, I remember there was so much hate for this movie, and when I first saw it, I kind of like took it as a horror, like a full-blown horror, and then when I look back on it, I'm like, wait a minute, this movie was actually good, um, it's actually a horror comedy, has horror, has comedy elements, and um, this, this was a fun werewolf movie. This is definitely going to be one of my favorites on, on the werewolf horror genre in the list. And, um, it's about a brother and sister, played by Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci. Um, they're driving off to discover a werewolf attack on the Channing Elizabeth character. And she's been driven by a werewolf, and they both have been attacked by a werewolf. So pretty much the two brothers, the brother and sister, have been affected by the werewolf curse. And, um... You know, this is like a student in school. He's been picked on by Milo from Heroes. The guy Milo, I can't say his last name right, but when you guys see his face, you know who I'm talking about. And Joshua Jackson is also in this movie. And um, this, there's a twist in the movie when he gets towards the end. And um, Christian Richards' character is like, kind of like an assistant for the Craig Kilborn show. And this movie just poke fun at, at itself. I mean, it's just a fun fucking movie. Anyway. While the Jesse Eisenberg's character is affected by the werewolf syndrome, Christina Ritchie just discovered her Hulk's character is also affected by the werewolf syndrome as well. As they still trying to figure this shit out, like, how can we werewolves and how can we control control this and handle this type of attitude? Like, you know, they pretty much like living all their lives while having this problem. 
And um, later towards the movie, they discover like Jasper Jackson's character is actually a werewolf, but the thing is, he's he was not the one that affected them. And um, the, down the road, when they get to the club, you know, Exquisite character is looking for her brother, while Jasper Jackson's character is in the club looking for Christine Richard's brother's um, character, Jesse Eisenberg, in the club. Uh, they have a big werewolf attack fight scene, and then the second werewolf, actually there is a second werewolf revealed to be the girl, the assist, another assistant on the show, of the Craig Kilborn show. Um, I forgot her name, but she's like a skinny white blonde girl. <laughs> and um, her and Christina Ritchie had a fight, you know, and she goes on a killing spree in the club that where she turns to the werewolf, the blonde lady, and she, she also admitted that she was killing off the competition because she wanted Joshua Jackson's character all to herself. You know, uh, there was a scene where Jasper Jackson, who was also the werewolf, wanted to stop her from killing her, kill, killing Christina Ritchie's character, but actually kicked, the blonde girl kicked Jasper Jackson's character in, in the balls, you know, and that was kind of funny. I mean, there's so many good, good one-liners in this movie, trust me. Just look at this movie throughout it, you will see it, and you can just make fun of it, and um, so the werewolf started going around killing people, and Jesse Eisenberg's character, was fine and well. Christine Richards took the top of the staff, which was like made of silver, put it in the werewolf's mouth. The werewolf was on the run. The cops comes in and the werewolf starts saying, they want to know what's going on because Richie said, it's a werewolf attack, you know. And um, she says, so far to bring the werewolf out, Christine Richards' character saying, she got like thighs, fat thighs, a bony ass, and the werewolf breaks glass, it's a stick to the middle finger, it was funny as hell. The cops shoot the werewolf and they shoot the werewolf again in the head. Blood, there's, there's a lot of blood, there's, there's a couple of gross scenes. Um, and then when, when they kill the female werewolf, they go back to the house and they have like, the male werewolf, which is Joshua Jackson's character that he admitted about killing her parent or they kill the brother because she wants her all to himself, you know, with no distractions, you know. And they had to find him off, they kill him, you know. And pretty much they ended the curse. Um, there's also a dog werewolf scene where a werewolf turned into where, where a dog turned into a werewolf, which is the brother sister's dog Zipper. You know that was a funny scene. I didn't even expect that scene when I first saw that movie. Um, this, this like I can say this movie to me is very good. Um, it to me is, even though it's an underrated version, I feel like this is one of the underrated werewolf movies only because you know there's been a lot of heat for from a lot of people trashing this movie. I'm gonna be one of those few guys that's gonna stand up for this movie when I realize, you know, to me, to be honest, guys, this is really more of a horror comedy. Get it? Slash comedy. It's it meant to have fun. It's a fun movie. That's all it is, and it's it's not bad, you know. Spe special features, um, special effects, documentaries, pretty much. And not a bad movie. Um, get the unrated version. Um, I think it's a little bit more blood and gore in it to offer, and. Peace, guys. See you later. What's up? Yes, finally I can see see Bait 3D. But I didn't see this movie in 3D, but if I did, I think the 3D effects would be decent, the way it looks in 2D. But um, let me just say my celebrity crush, my new celebrity crush is in this movie, Phoebe Tolkien. That's my new celebrity girl crush right now. And let me just say, fuck CW11 for canceling the secret circle. Because Phoebe was in this was in this TV series, 
to me, she was like the reason why I watched the show really, to be honest with you. But anyway, time to move on. And um, they, another shark exploitation Janae movie, the latest one in the in the entry. Um, is it is there anything new in this movie? Not really. But I did like it. I did enjoy it. You know, it's good for a popcorn flick. You know, like you wanna sit back and just wanna watch something. You know, it's not a bad movie. I I enjoyed it and. Overall, it's for the shark action. There is shark action, but not like constantly fast-paced shark action. But like I say, it's decent and enjoyable to watch. Simple as that. Um, the movie starts with this guy. He's a lifeguard. He has a flashback story, like a, like a prelude story to himself, where he's trying to save his friend. His friend died from a shark attack, and then years, like a, maybe a year later, probably, um, he works in a supermarket, and um. And you have cast of characters with their own issues. You know, you got one guy, Julian McMahon. You probably recognize him as Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four movie, and the show Nip and Tuck on Fox. I don't know if that show's still going on, by the way. Anyway, but he's a good actor, Julian McMahon. And also, if I'm correct, I think he was in the Charm TV series. He played Phoebe's um, demonic lover, if I remember. Yeah, that's how he first got his fame, anyway. So yeah, he he got around a lot. Julian McMahon's the real deal, by the way. I hope I got his name right. And he played like this guy, like he's a robber. He's not really a robber, but he's getting forced to rob a supermarket, you know, so, so he can pay his brother's debt, what debt, what it sounds like. Then you got another part of the story in the movie, you got Phoebe Tolkien's character, my celebrity girl crush, when you want. She plays like a thief robbing a store, then she meet with her boyfriend who was in the supermarket, she got caught, um, the boyfriend got fired from his job for it, and she's gonna get arrested, guess what, she's gonna get arrested by her own dad. And it's not like her and her dad has some issues, you know, like, doing uh, her mother's death where it was told in the story mode. Um, you got another cast of characters. You got, like, a boyfriend, girlfriend, going to make out in a parking lot, you know. The boyfriend's like a jackass boyfriend type of character, you know. And the girlfriend's like like a conceited kind of bitch, like, you know. Oh, you mean these Gucci's are fake, <laughs> you know. But anyway, you got all these cast of characters. Meanwhile, while the store's getting robbed. A big tsunami happens, killing people, drowning people in a trailer, and then the supermarket people who's in the supermarket market are stuck. Um, there's people dying like like a fan blade, you know, hit killing one lady. Uh, meanwhile, while there's a few survivors, one of the survivors is like a like a jackass, you know, like a jerk, like a self dude like. One is Julian McMahon's character. The characters I mentioned pretty much survived. Um, on top of the aisle, um, you got another character, the lady who was one of the workers in the supermarket. You got the supermarket owner. So pretty much you got a cast of characters. Um, you got people stuck in the parking lot, which is like two couple and the boyfriend of the shoplifter. You know, they stuck in the parking lot level while the person was stuck in the supermarket. And pretty much you get the drama as they talking, and you got the guy, lifeguard who meets up with his ex girlfriend, and now his ex girlfriend got a boyfriend. You know, and they gotta find a way to survive this, like how to get out the supermarket. And um, I don't want to do no spoilers, you know. I mean, this is a new movie that came out, so I'm gonna try and try and keep it like decent. But they try to pretty much survive the shark attack while the shark is circling around them. While in the parking lot area, you got a shark that's over there too, you know. And um, the shark's pretty much gonna kill people, and they gotta find ways like. One one of them one electricity wife fell down in the water, so they have to for the, the girl's new boyfriend, 
the girlfriend of the life, the ex-girlfriend of the lifeguard, new boyfriend. He has like this, like a grill, like, you know, like, you know, stuff for the drawer where you, where you hang stuff pretty much. They wrapped him around like that, like a, like a swimsuit, like, like, a, like a, a swimwear suit, like, and they got like a, a pump so he could breathe in the water, so he could cut the power source so the electricity won't hit the water while the shark's coming around, like looking at him and stuff. Um, you got one of the, the, the second robber believing that he actually survived the um, tsunami attack. And he was in the supermarket. I'm not going to tell you who the second robber is, but it's going to be pretty obvious later in the story. Um, Julian McMahon, who was forced to rob the store, he pretty much was a good guy character anyway. Um, I, I love the cast of character. I think the story was decent. It was good. You know, um, the boyfriend was a jerk, you know, as they're trying to escape the water when the when um the one of the one of the workers in the supermarket tell the two couples in the car, you know, I'm gonna throw a hand, something to the other part of the car, had the guy just threw the dog to the shark who eat the dog and stuff. But did the dog survive? I'm not gonna tell you that part. But um oh like I said, no spoilers, just a little spoiler here and there, but I don't wanna do too much. But I, I did enjoy the movie. Like I said, it's an enjoyable movie. It's not the greatest, but it's an enjoyable movie. So ba check it out in 2D or 3D if you want. I think the 3D is decent if I did watch it in 3D. Alright guys and gals. This time, we are going to talk about June Part 2. And special features, widescreen, and English subtitles. I wish they put more effort into special features in this one because, let me say, in my opinion, Juon 2 is one of those rare movies when a sequel is much better than the first movie. In my opinion, everyone. Espanol, ayo mio, por favor. Hey, as a luchador, I gotta try to get in touch with my Spanish. Anyway, Juon 2 is a movie based on a movie because there are scenes in the movie people that are doing a horror, like a horror documentary kind of like ghost hunter type of thing crew decided to film a scene in a haunted house where Kiko's dead now after hearing the history of this house don't you realize that people die in the fucking house why be adventurous but yeah the camera team the reporter well, the reporter is actually an actress, actually, and a, and a popular actress who's known as a horror queen in Japan. She's probably like a top horror starlet in Japan or something. Anyway, he decided to shoot the scene, shoot about the haunted of Kayako, why people are dying in this house, and they feel any energy. And like like the first movie, isn't chapters about different people connected to the house. Who went inside the house? But in this case, it's the film crew. Couldn't each of them how they die one by one. There are more people that die in, in this house too, like the cameraman, the sound guy, which they do not show you the death scenes for them, but they are mentioned that they are dead. Um, the horror factor in this is to me, I think it is more apt up than the first movie, in my opinion. Um, there were some bumps and jumps, but you also get to show your ending. I don't know if I should ruin it. But I'll spoil it a little bit. Because you want to is a movie that's well known and a lot of people have seen this movie, of course, with the Grunge remake. I mean you want to remake the Grunge Part 2. But let's say Grunge Part 2 did not copycat Juan 2, so the Grunge 2 kinda of make 
made their own, made Juan, their own Juan, their own. But the thing was, I think the first movie they made their own too, you know, which I'll get to in my next vlog coming up. Anyway, meanwhile, let's talk about more about Juan too. Um, you got the scene at the beginning with the first actress, her and her man got into a car accident because of Toshio, and you be wondering why the fuck Toshio is killing these. But it was about to kill these two people. One, the main actress was left alive for a long period of time. There was a reason why. I'll get to that a little bit at the ending part. But they saw the actress saw Toshio holding on the tire wheel, and that's it. That's it. For, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, "What the fuck?" You know, because you didn't expect that shit. You know what I'm saying? So the, the actress and her, her man got into a car crash. Both taken to the hospital. Her husband was pretty much like in a coma, like. And then you get into different chapters about how how one reported that how she how she died and her man died, like the they saw this in the in Juan too how you see Kate Kiyako killing the people with her long hair, um you see Toshio running around, you know offering some scare factors, you know what I'm saying a little glimpse, um you got some scenes when when the film crew was done shooting. The documentary of the haunted house where Kayako died. Um, they do the film editing. You see Megumi died, one of the makeup artists. You see the film scenes when the director doing the camera work, trying to edit stuff. You see Kayako behind the back by the sound recording studio part of it. Um, a lot of a lot of bumps and jumps, a lot of what the fuck moments. Um, especially the ending when it was revealed that she was that the main actress was kept alive because she was about to give birth to Kayako. Yes, Kayako come out of the main actress's pussy. And all the doctors get all scared. You see them all fright. Like scared fright and died of fright. And then you get your another what the fuck ended moment. And I'll say that for, for your viewing pleasure, guys. I mean, because when I first saw the ending for it, I was like, what, what the fuck just happened? You know what I'm saying? About the main actress and Baby Kayako, Baby Keiko, I don't know how to say that bitch's name, but Keiko, yeah, let me call her Keiko. Keiko, you stop fucking killing people, alright? I hope you have your new life. I'm surprised I never did Juan Part 3, because I want to know what happened to, to little Keiko anyway. Little Kayako. Anyway, um, Juan 2 was definitely an enjoyable movie. I felt like it was more amped up, it was more to, more fun than the very first movie. Yeah, you got your horror element, you got your fright moments. I felt like, even though I, the first one was good too, of course, but I think two was much more better in my opinion. So anyway, check out John 2, will not disappoint you. Gremlins on Blu-ray, and this is Gremlins 2 on the new batch. Outtakes does contain the 20 minutes of not seeing the footage in the theaters, and I'm making of, and so on. Um, you know, when I was a kid watching Gremlins 2, I kind of like it only because I realized because of the the gremlins were so different, and you had like spider gremlin, the bat gremlin, the trusty gremlins. You know, you have all these different gremlins, and even when the gremlins first pop out in Gremlins Two, right, when um when Gizmo was found in the laboratory, when his, when the guy that took care of him in the first movie, I ended up spotting him in the laboratory scene. When um, one of the male male service guy was whistling the song, and he was wondering, "Wait, how did you know the humming of the bee?" And he said he heard it in the laboratory. That's when the guy realized 
his gizmo around him, and he actually saved him from the laboratory, put him, put him underneath his desk so he can be taken home. And um, and in this story, let me just say the hero and the woman, the love interest from the first movie, end up becoming his fiance in the second movie, and they're both working this skyrise building in um, New York City. Um, the guy, the Chinese guy that took care of Gizmo died, so he was pretty much walking around the streets, so he was kidnapped from the scientist, and that's how he got into the laboratory. Um, so when Gizmo did listen to his friend, he hit a kid out of his desk, um, Janto was fixing the water, the water fountain, and the water spill on um, Gizmo, and that's when you got the evil Grimms coming out. Uh, when the Grimms first come out, you get, like I said, they got different personnel, one is Goofy, one is an idiot. One is a bad at one is like evil and like naughty, but they're all naughty anyway. So what the fuck I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> then the story ended up becoming more developed. You know, the girl was running around wrecking havoc, and um, God, my mind just got blank. How did the water spill on the on the evil gremlins? Let me think. Anyway, when the wall spilled on the Gremlins, I'm like, oh, this is the worst review ever. But anyway, you guys know, know what I'm talking about. I just lost my memory. And I just saw this fucking movie today, too. Um, the, I, oh, yeah. The, when they went on the cooking show, um, they, they were wrecking havoc at the cooking show. And um, they, they set a fire on the microwave. That's when the water starts spilling on the evil Gremlins. The only, like, what, four or three evil Gremlins, I think, if I remember. And, um... That's when more gonna start popping out. <laughs> What's with you ever, by the way, guys? <laughs> anyway, so the evil, there was evil, more evil gums than there were before. Wrecking Havoc in the apartment, uh, I mean, building, excuse me, business, business building, you know. And um, they headed for the laboratory, and that's when you see some different gremlins appearing. Drinking the formula, one became small, one became an electricity gremlin, one became a bat gremlin, one became a... Um, spider gremlin became a ve vegetable gremlin, and one became a female gremlin. Yeah, the female gremlin. But when you guys think the female gremlin is hot, I hope not, perverts. <laughs> um, pretty much, they wrecked havoc, more havoc, pretty much. Uh, the sense of humor, it was there, but the thing is, when I realized it, the two gremlins, the main star of this movie, would always be Gizmo. Not enough gizmo in the movie, man. Not enough. Really, it's really not enough gizmo. It's like they bounce with the human interaction. They put some. They put the gremlin interaction, and you have a little bit of the gizmo interaction. That's not like what I'm feeling here. And I can see why some movie fans, not the critics, critics actually praised this movie, and the critics did not like the first gremlins. That's fucking funny, because the first gremlin was the best, and in gremlins two, it was the opposite because. The critics that hate Gremlins 1 like the Gremlins 2, while the fans like Gremlins 1, but they didn't really like Gremlins 2 so much. And I, and I can understand why, you know, maybe because of the Gizmo action, because you would think Gizmo's the key guy. I mean, give me more Gizmo, you know, I want to see more Gizmo, you know. Um, Gizmo pretty much began bullied by the evil Gremlins, and then he started to fight back, become Rambo-like, you know. Um, they, they go around, and then at the end... They, they when we're on the scene when um, the hero trapped the electricity gremlin in the chairman's cell, telephone office phone, 
Um, he, that's what that's the death of all the gremlins because he when he spilled the water on the gremlins, um, he released electricity gremlins and he started killing all the gremlins. But still, even though the main gremlin in this was actually the brain gremlin, like you would think he would be the key villain, it, it was some interaction with him. But you, I wanted to see more interaction with him and the hero, or him trying to fight against Gizmo. You didn't really have that going on, you know. And he died so easily, you know what I'm saying? It was like, damn man, that's it. So I mean, you'll see the new badge was was not to me. Honestly, it was all right. It was okay. But don't get me wrong, I will see it again, yeah. But Ghost One is just way better, to be honest, honest with you. Anyway, peace, guys, and see you later. Everyone, what's up? Today I'll be talking about the original Friday the 13th, excuse me. Just got this stuff just now, as usual. And I'm sorry I've signed off lately, my video blocks just now, kind of sick, but heal it. Um, so this is the first of seeing, talking about the remake. Now it's time for me to talk about the original. Um, this is actually the first time since 2009 when I decided go the movie route. Um, I'm actually talking about Friday the 13th, the original piece. And, um, this movie still holds up today. I still love it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it starts out pretty much with, um, these are flashbacks where mysteries come to these town counselors. Then, after that was over years later, you got a new group of kids gonna reopen the camp, Crystal Lake. And, um, you got these young adults partying, having fun, being goofing up. Um, pretty girls, good-looking people, pretty much. You got the crazy guy, Crazy Ralph, which is funny as hell. I remember to see when he was in the food storage, that lady was about to get something, Crazy Ralph just appeared. I was laughing at my ass so off. But, you know, it's pretty much these individuals being killed one by one by a mysterious killer. Um, the kill scenes are good. I actually like the kill scenes for its time. And even to this time, I still like it, you know? Um... This is the, the movie that kind of like, I, I want to say it started the slasher to there. Because there were movies before this, by the way, called Hala Halloween and of course Italian Cinema that has like Giallo, which is a pretty much the movie we think about Friday the 13th. Not only was a slasher, it was a Giallo, but we really didn't know who the killer was. You know what I'm saying? So we get towards the end. And what basis me about that is that when we found who the killer was, and let me just say it was epic. And because you didn't expect it, it was like, who's the killer? Who's the killer? You know, and actually, when we when you start seeing the movie like the second time around, I think we all thought the killer was the guy who who went out went out the town driving his car, you know, to get some supplies. We all thought it was that guy, but then we were like, oh shit, we were wrong, you know. Um, I think all of us liked the Kevin Bacon death scene the most, with the arrow through the chest, I mean through the throat. And I remember when I first saw that, I like, oh shit, I can't even get up. I'll be checking underneath my bed. I ain't gonna lie. That was the movie that took me that started it. Like, I need to check under my bed if there's a killer in my door, a spear, or I mean, arrow, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, how you how you would sh check the ocean and look at the water, you stand in the water because the shark may come out with jaws to go for the ocean. I felt like my opinion. This is what Friday the 13th original movie did for looking at me underneath your bed. And I'm not talking about psycho or like psycho thing for the shower scenes, but people say they look underneath their bed to be psycho killer. You know, but if you remember Psycho, after Hitchcock movie, you would want to look at your, you would have to lock your doors when you take your showers, 
pretty good movies like that has an impact, you know. Um, when we get towards the end, I'm going to spoil it because, you know, guys, we all saw this movie like hundreds of times. Cause the woman that pissed out of this old lady, and then you find out that this lady is actually Jason's mother. She's killing the last survivor, and the woman, and you get this epic battle between the female survivor and Jason's mother going at it. Blow for blow, one of the best, I say it's one of the best fight scenes when it comes to a survival versus a killer movie. You know, one of those any battles of a horror movie, one on one battle, survival versus killer. And this is definitely be to the top of the list. And then you get the edge of this machete, chop Jason's mother's head off. Then you get the scene where she's on the boat. You think of this whole this whole shit was over. You know, so why is she shot me a good thing by the way? I meant me by a good way. Sorry. Uh, she on the she on her, like the raft boat, like, you know, playing with the water, you know, she was tired. And then you see this big fucking retained monster. You're like, what the fuck was that? I mean I guess I jumped up in the back to like everybody else and watched this movie for the first time. But now I even why I had to pause it because I see what the fuck was that? You know, of course, it was pretty much Jason. She wakes up and realizes it's a dream, but actually, it was, she said it was true. She was grabbed by the kid. The sheriff turned to the hospital bed and found nobody. I mean, the water. She said, he's still out there. You know, uh, one of the things I like about this movie is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is off the hook. I mean, it really gets into the movie. And um, I just mentioned in my last review for another movie, a CGI animation movie called. Um, Heartstring Larry Matt, which the soundtrack was on key, it was perfect, you know. This, this is like what I'm trying to say. Like, when you see these old soundtrack movies, they really know how to balance it out, let me know all on these days. Very rarely you see new movies where the soundtrack when it's on key and on balance and it makes you take it into the character, make you take it into the movie, when you decide to actually take you into the movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you probably figure what I'm saying. But all in all, credits my love. And that's it, and that's my review of Fire Fiction Part 1. I know I didn't review it all in detail, but you guys get the picture, you know. But anyway, these guys will see. Today we talk about the movie Battle Royal. It is the Arrow Video Blu-ray. Uh, I, I think I showcased this a long time ago already, but just as it usually, just Google it or Amazon.com or eBay it, and you'll know what special features are on it. It's, it's loaded. But I'll be talking about the movie Battle Royal, which, because I never had an opportunity to talk about it, even though I had the regular DVD version, the two disc, with the alternate endings and delete scenes for a very, 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 very long time in my, in my black booklet of DVDs. But this is the movie I'm talking about. Um, this movie is, is really cool, man. I mean, from beginning to end. And when I first saw this movie, I'm like, whoa, kids killing kids? And I heard enough about high reviews for this movie when I, before I even watched this movie a long time ago. Um, I heard this is based on a Japanese comic book from Corrected. And let me just say, I never read the Japanese comic book, to be honest with you. So when I, when I brought this movie a long time ago, not this one, but when I saw the movie a long time ago, I was I was gonna watch it with an open mind and see if I enjoy it. Um, the movie starts with this teacher, I think played by Big Takashi, I hope I got his name right. His guy's ass cut up by one of the students, you know. And uh, there was some narration, I think, from one of the school kids. So then once that teacher left, you know, we used to have fun and stuff. And then 
all these students go to a, a bus, they, have to, they go on a bus, I don't know if they were going home or a class trip, I can't remember correctly, and um, no, it was a class trip, I think, they all go to a class trip, and they got captured by the government, they wake up one day, so that old teacher from the past, and they realize, hey, the teachers like, explained to them, you got, you all got to kill yourself, run off from the island, stop killing yourself, and only one could live. And the reason why the teacher mentioned that today's society, that you kids are blamed for how the world is running pretty much, you know. And I always think the concept was kind of stupid at first, but I kind of let it slide because it's like, personal is like, you gonna blame young kids for the problems of today's world? What about the adults? They fuck up as much more than the today's generation, you know. But, you know, I, let's not get too political now, because if I do, then we end up with Battle World 2, right? Which was overly done way political, which is totally garbage and a big complete mess. Battle Royal 2 is a shame to the original, which was fantastic. But I'm not going to talk about Battle World 2, and I'm never going to review it, so don't even think about it, guys and gals. Um, Battle World 1, as, as, they, as the teacher showed these video with this anime-looking type of girl, like, She's a human girl, but she looks to his actual anime, you know. And then later on, she sees so serious in the, in the, in the cat, in the TV. She's not saying the names. Get out, get the bag, and run. And each bag contains like food, water, and one secret, one special weapon. And every weapon is different. And you know, you got these two. This lady who has a crush on a guy, pretty much they they run off together, hanging out, you know, like to protect each other and. Help people out if they could, you know. While the rest of the students are killing each other, you also have these two transfer students. Um, it remains unknown who they were. Later on, you know, one of them is like a killer that he likes to sign up. And it was mentioned in the story the guy in all black with the spiky hair, he likes to kill. The other one has his own agenda for being in the game. And later he mentioned that he was a survivor of the game. Um, there's a lot of great scenes in the movie. I don't, I don't want to ruin the moment, moment who have not seen it. It was so, so much going on, by the way. And um, of course, we got the lady who played Go Go and Kill Bill, which she was also in the Battle Royale movie, playing a good, richest character. I think her name was Mitsuko, if I'm right. And she had a flashback story on her own, too. Mitachi um, has a little story behind him to himself. And um, it's just amazing how the government in, the, in this movie is like, kids gotta kill each other. You know, it's just. But I, like I say, it was just like, wow. I mean, this type of generic, when. A hunter becomes the hunted, or a hunted becomes the hunter type of thing. Like, I don't know, it's like survival horror type of thing, like survive. And it's nothing new to Janae, you know, when, like, Avengers Force, for example, Michael Dudikoff, you know, you got these rich guys kill fighters. Like, if you're a popular, if, like, if you're a fighter, if you, can, if you have some kind of survival rate, you're gonna be hunted. They want, they want to kill you, you know. And I heard there was a movie before all those movies ever got started from the 30s or 40s, I think, or 50s for surviving the game. I'm not sure if if that's the correct title or if it was a remake based on that original movie. Um, I'm gonna try to track it down so I can review it for this YouTube channel. I forgot the name of it. But it was an old movie that I think I think started it all before these two, even before Battle Royale. But Battle Royale has that shock value because it's like, whoever heard of kids killing kids like the way they did it. It was just perfect. I mean, the vibe, the music, especially that acting. The acting was fucking fantastic, and the lighting was awesome. It's like one of those moments where you can finally have a perfect movie to enjoy, you know? And, um, 
like I mentioned, the sequel, when I first saw the part two being done, I got all excited, and when I seen it, like I said, it, it was a complete mess. I can't even explain it. You know, um, I heard rumors that the American version wanted to do a remake on the original. I'm like, in my mind, you know what? Go for it. Why not? But just don't call it Battle Royale. Just change the title and base it on something else. You know, just, hey, we based it on this movie, based on this Japanese comic book, but just don't call it Battle Royale. So I don't, I don't mind seeing an American remake from this. Anyway, um, and of course, let me mention one thing. When for, they can't just get out the easy way around because they have this collar, and then a certain, if you don't, if somebody's left standing, the collar stops blowing up. You know, um, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of shit going on in this movie. As for the movie, The Hunger Game, a lot of people say The Hunger Game is a rip off of the Battle Royale movie or the comic book. To me, it's like hell. Of course, The Hunger Game is a rip off. The lady ain't gonna admit to that. You know, come on. It's a rip-off. I mean, The Hunger Games, I mean, I enjoyed the movie, don't get me wrong. Yeah, fangirls, the real gushy, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. But, but The Hunger Games was a total rip-off of Battle Royale. But this, this is made more like the, catered to the Twilight audience, you know. Anyway, peace, guys, see you later. So, today I just reviewed, I mean, not reviewed, actually I saw all the Fantasia movies, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, I was going to do like a one block long talking about the Fantasia movies since I got my 15 minutes, over 15 minutes range back now. And um, if anyone don't know this, let me say you don't need to use a phone number. Pretty much, I guess you have to come out a lot of videos and just be patient and wait. So I'm glad YouTube's doing that again. Um, but I decided, you know what, let me skip it. I just talk about the final Fantasia movie. Since a lot of people hate, hate on it so much, guess what? In this blog, I'm gonna defend it. Um, Fantasia 4, when I first seen it, I was pretty much the hate of it also. You know, I wanted more. And then when I looked at it again, and I see it for what it was, I really did enjoy it after all. Uh, part 4, Fantasia 4 Oblivion, um, pretty much takes place right after 3. If you remember the end of Part 3, Reggie got all these balls around him. And Torment, like, let him go. You know, like, let him go. I guess he's only part of the game, you know. And, um, Fantasia, I mean, excuse me, um, Ice Cream Man. I was told the Ice Cream Man character. I can never give him the, call the character by his real name, which I can't remember now. But I was called him Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man, um, yeah, Reggie Man is this character. But I'm called him Ice Cream Man. Like I said, he walks off pretty much has to find, um, Mike, um, Jody, who's like the spirit ball, like he's in a spirit form now. He's like in a spirit, but he transfers to a spirit ball. If you see him in part three, you know what I'm talking about. I'm telling Reggie, you know, you gotta go after him. Pretty much, you gotta go after Mike, you know, like, you know, he's, you're his friend. And it's like, I, I think Reggie was like pretty much tired of it, if I'm corrected. But, you know, Reggie knew that he had to do this, you know. And, um, while Reggie's driving the road, you know, he's going up for Mike. Um, he's so upon the girl. The girl's a real bitch. You know, yeah, another bitch. Except for part three, the girl, the black girl was not a bitch. She was a good person. Which is supposed thank you, God, it was somebody for Reggie. But she left. But I wish they had brought the black girl in part four. It would have been cool. And the only thing that was sad about this franchise is that Tim, Tim pretty much died. You know, you see part three, Tim was that little kid that was 
a badass. He had the gun, he had the trash, he had the freezer with the razor blade. Like Tim, you know, the Tim character pretty much died. I wish they had, like, pretty much brought him back for part four. You know, that would have been cool, man. Tim is awesome. Um, anyway. Um, so, Reggie spotted this woman, you know, saw this woman starting the tall man. And he, he had the bad thing, he got him, and the woman had, like, two spits on her titties. Evil killer tits. I was like, man, I knew this shit was gonna happen. Poor Reggie. You know, but he dialed the ball, killed the fucking mutated bitch, and then he went on, on the road for Mike. Anyway, you got Mike while he's like having, trying to kill himself, and you know, there's like a lot of flashback scenes from the different parts of the movie. There's new scenes added in from like the, uh, to me, we'll come back from part one. You know, like Torment on the Rope. I don't remember that scene from the first movie. You know, when that was the beginning, you know, how his brother. Stop the tall man, follow her hanging in the tree. You know, say that he wanted to cut the rope, and then Mike, like when he was younger, let him go, and then he went back to the present time. Um, you know, you know also what big part four different that like, you got a big origin story for the tall man. And then they told me it was like a, like a surgeon or an undertaker, like during the Civil War time, if I'm corrected. And he was experimenting, he was curious about death, I guess. Yeah, he was building like, the convention dimensional staff, like a, a bigger version of it done back during the past. And um it was good to see that happen, you know, at least Tommy got a little bit of a character, you know, a little bit of an origin story, which was kinda cool to me. Um I heard I heard a lot of people didn't like that, you know, it's okay, it's fine you don't like it, but to me I liked it. I felt like it gave Tom Man a, a story, you know what I'm saying? Give him more of a story. Some of some of the some of you fans I know you like the mystery of the tall man. But to me, I kind of like the story of the tall man, you know. It kind of gave, gave it a gap, you know. I was like, why the fuck is this guy doing this? You know what I'm saying? Why are you killing people, you know? And I, you know what, to this day, it's still from a few, uh, a few plot holes that you want to know, excuse my stuttering. Um, you know, a few pl plot holes here and there. And hopefully when Phantasm Five comes out, hopefully that will all be explained, you know. Like I said, the story is, I'm, like I told you before, 95%, 90% yet, but hopefully this does happen and maybe the, this part 5 could be the final fantasy on movie because I think it's time for this franchise to have a closing, you know, a happy ending hopefully. Anyway, while Mike, you know, going to this different dimension and the tall man trying to get him to go, it looked like the tall man pretty much want to pass the torch to him to take over his, his dimension, you know, do what he does pretty much. That's what I think, you know. Because one of the flashbacks, he got Reggie, when he had a nightmare, he got up. Uh, Mike was like a like tall man-like character holding Reggie like this. You know, he even had like, it, it looked kind of like the tall man a little bit. So like, it looked like he wanted to pass the torch, I think, you know. Um, you got um, Jody still wandering around a spirit, like spirit form talking to Reggie, but mostly Mike, you know. And then, what is, like, Joe, I mean, Mike having doubts about his brother, like, you know what, I don't, I don't think you're who you really are, I think you want to, like, get me, pretty much, this type of attitude, like, he realized that, and later in the movie, pretty much, Jody kind of betrayed his brother, like, he was about to kill him, because Jody's not what he used to be no more, you know, you know what I'm saying, and when, um, Jody captured him, you know, and the tall man comes to try to get the ball out of Mike, you know, Mike used a two-fork to stop him, and then escape, you know, um, the brother died, you know, 
and um, Tall Man, like Tall Man coming out of the dimension. Mike was building like this adventure, like his own spear, and blew up the Tall Man. But reality is, we know that's not gonna work. You know what I'm saying? You can't go to an explosion. Come on, you know, because the Tall Man came off a fucking car back. He's like a clone and shit. You know. But before that scene, we're just trying to use the gun to shoot out, shoot the Tall Man, and then pause. Tall Man called him the Ice Cream Man. Hello, and pushed him out. <laughs> and when Reggie, when the Tall Man came back after the explosion, he came back from another dimension portal again. Out, out from the dimension portal. Rip the port, rip the ball out of um Mike's head, and then walks off. And then Mike turns to Reggie, he thinks he's dying, and Reggie says, "You know what? I'm gonna save you." So he went inside the metro portal, and then after that, you have Mike having a flashback scene when he was a kid, and then he got into the ice cream truck, the ice cream man, which backs his character, and then Reggie backs his character, telling uh, Mike, "Did you hear that voice?" You know, he said, "Nah, just the wind," and they just drove off. Um, again, I know a lot of people hate this movie, and there's a lot of people that do like this movie, which I was surprised to see reviews for it now, with the like reviews part of it, which is great, you know, I think, like I said, I kind of like the story part of Tall Man, you know, I think it was time for him to have a story, well, on who he is and where he's coming from, but still, um, there's still a few holes that need to be explained, a few, just a few holes, and hopefully, like I said, if the story is 100% true about, sometimes the does have a final script, and it comes to production, I hope those holes are filled, and I hope it has a closure with part five. Hopefully, they that five will happen. Hopefully, uh, anyway, that's my little short review of what we talk of Fantastic Four Oblivion, and it's a partial review version of it. So let me say it like that. Um, I want to talk about the Alien movie. I want to talk about part one of the disc. Um, it's the first watch in my Blu-ray collection from the first disc, and um. <laughs> Wow, the Blu-ray quality is awesome, man. Uh, anyway, the Alien movie. Now, let me tell you my first experience with the Alien movies. When I was a kid going to the video store, I saw, actually, this one when part two came out also. I saw these video cassette boxes. I saw Alien and Aliens. And I was like, I was confused. Like, is this the same movie or a different movie? I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? But for some reason, I didn't invent it. You know, it was just, it was just too confusing when I saw that. Then it came on HBO, so I saw part two first. And then I had to go back to find out that that wasn't part one. That was actually a sequel to the first movie. So then I saw the first movie, and that's when I got my taste of Alien. Anyway, let's talk about Alien Part 1. Let's get to the fucking point. Um, classic, man. Still a good movie. Um, holds, holds up. Still enjoyed it like I did back then. Um, it's pretty much about a mining... I think it's like a mining crew from Collected. They are waiting for the, the slumber. They thought they thought they were going home to Earth, but they got a new order from the government. They got to investigate this SOS call, and they went on this planet, and then they saw this ship, and they saw this alien. It, the alien looks similar to that Prometheus trailer, you know, that we that's coming out soon. The movie. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> no, I'm actually reading coffee. Anyway, they um one one of the guys spy an egg. The face hugger comes out, you know the alien face hugger. Where the guy's face, they had to bring the ship. Ripley didn't want to let them in because they needed to be quarantined. But you know the android robot guy put them in the ship. At, at the beginning of the movie, they don't know he was android until later. The, the doctor like, um, they found out that the alien was stuck to the guy and he, they have a hard time removing it. And then later on, the alien actually escaped the face hugger. 
I wouldn't went, went looking for all these little face huggers all dried up and dead, you know. And then when when the guy walked it up from a slum, slumber from being hugged by the face hugger, he um started feeling all better, started eating food, you know. And then he got sick, and then the alien came, the baby alien came out the stomach, the alien running aboard from the ship. And then that's when the crew was like, what the fuck? And they gotta go try to get the alien. And then the crew, some of the crew members died. And then Sugobi's Weaver's character realized this whole shit thing is set up. The, the, the company, the corporation, like they knew about this shit. You know, they gave the android orders to, to protect the alien, to save it for themselves so they can make a weapon out of it pretty much. You know? And. When the, when, they, when the android, when the black guy blow touched the alien, uh, Sugori, we was Captain Ripley saying, you know what, let's blow this ship up. So she went to the ship trying to get it ready for the guys, and she had the cat stuff, so she went looking for the fucking cat, yeah. And the other two went for the cooling system, like the coolers and stuff. And when, about, when they were about to leave, the alien killed those two, and then Ripley went down to check, and she realized the alien killed them, and then she ran, ran out. She's gonna blow up the whole fucking ship, and, um, then she saw all the bodies all cocooned up, like ready to be ready to be the next alien. She blow torch them, and then she's on the run to go back to the ship. And then she decided, like, what to stop? If I'm coming to try to stop the ship from blowing up, but it was too late, you know, it was better just blow the shit up, man. Anyway, anyway, that's what happened. And she got the little mini ship to get out. And then when she was all comfortable and stuff, she realized that it was the alien was aboard the ship anyway. But it was full. The alien was like sleeping and shit. I was like, well, what the fuck? And she ran out. She had scary shit. She looked at the alien sleeping. And the alien come out with this long teeth thing again, yawning, and put it back. And then she got in an outfit, astronaut outfit, pressing the gas cars to wake the alien up. She turned around. The alien ready to attack with her mom. Then she pressed the button. So the alien went outside of space. And she shoot the bow and arrow. Like, not the bow and arrow, like the crossbow spear thing to shoot the alien. And then. She let the alien fire on space, space, excuse me, and then when the alien hit the, tr the thruster with the, with the fire from the from the ship, the fire hits the alien, like burn out the alien, and the aliens are flying space, and pretty much the aliens, alien blew up and shit, you know, and then Sugar Weaver's Captain Ripley and the stupid cat, yeah, the stupid cat, fuck the cat, you know, what went inside the slumber and shit. Um, or like I say, this movie's good, man. Even to this time, it still holds up. Anyway, peace, guys.